0: Barbecue Central Radio Show will air live at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Ho, ho, the Barbecue Central ho, Radio ho, Show will ho! air live at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show will air live at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Radio Show will air live at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Barbecue Central Radio Show will air live at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.
1: So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter
2: fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea.
1: All right, good evening and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. What did I miss? <clears throat> I'm your program host, Greg Rempy. Hold on, let me start again. Welcome to the Barbecue Central Show. I'm all I'm all jacked up. I gotta start again. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and oh.
2: Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea.
1: All right, good evening, and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. More in the last week and a half than ever, I might add. I'm your program host, Greg Rampey. Happy to have you board here on your Tuesday evening. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. It's a phone call, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show, greg at com. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening, in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now... Today marked the official day, as the kids say, dropped. The book dropped. You know her. You love her. Maybe some of you don't. That would be the minority. She's on television. She's on internet radio shows. She's on regular radio shows. She's hosting her own TV show, writing her own books, blazing across this barbecue country slash world of ours. In quite an impressive way right now. And over the last uh, year or two that everybody has been able to really have visibility on her. We're going to talk about the new book. Here it is right here. I got an advanced copy. It's uh, Divas, Diva Q's Barbecue. Life's Too Short for Bad Barbecue. There's the back of the book right there. That's Danielle if you've never seen her before. 195 recipes for cooking with family Friends and fire, we're going to be talking about all that. And then we're going to get deep. Oh, See, I did my color again. Hold on. There we go. Let me get back to Norm. So Danielle Bennett will be coming up in about 11 minutes, 914. And she has assured me that if we would carry over into the 935, which I'm going to just make a a line guess and say that's probably going to happen. We're just going to chat it up. We're going to talk. We're going to delve into the book. We're going to talk about the process, the promotion, expectations, both from her, what her expectations are, where she's holding herself accountable, and then where are the business partners at. What do they want? What What are their benchmarks of success? What was it like being on QVC? What, what's it? What's the last year been like? If you follow her on Facebook. She put out a great thank you to all of her supporters and mentioned specifically that the last 12 and 13 months most difficult of her life. So we're going to delve into that, too. Maybe she doesn't know about that. We're going to delve into that, too. It's going to be the Howard Stern of uh, barbecue interviews tonight, you know. Aww. Nothing salacious, of course. So that's going to be your first hour. Danielle Bennett coming up here in just a bit. Then we'll move on to the second hour. I uh, had him two weeks ago, and then I forget what happened. I think I had to cancel the show for some reason, which I don't remember why that was. Maybe it was an internet thing. Maybe it was a work thing that I couldn't get out of, which rarely happens for me. You know, for Chad, who precedes this show, I mean, it's like every, you know, he's he's live once a month. That's fine. That's it, it, That's what works for him. I hate that. If I miss more than two shows in a year, I'm ready to jump off the 480 bridge. So... I was able to rebook him. He is, I, I believe, a co-founder, if not the the man, when it comes to the Steak Cook-Off Association. It's growing in popularity year after year, event after event. There was a huge Steak Cook-Off event. There were huge Steak Cook-Off events this past weekend to the tune of four of them across the country. So we'll do a quick recap on those. If you're not familiar with SCA, we'll talk about the inception of that whole organizing body, what it's all about, how you can be a steak cook, how you can try your hand at that versus maybe getting into the competition barbecue scene, whatever. Brett Galloway will be joining me to talk about that. And then at 10:35, one of the legendary pitmasters that are still in teams that are still out there doing it at a very high competitive level, so much so that this past weekend, in Springfield, Missouri, I think, they were able to notch their 75th grand championship of their career, the pitmaster of QO Mike Wozniak will be joining me. And it's going to be kind of a fun segment with Mike. You know, we'll talk about 75, what it means to the team, both him and Beth. And then we'll kind of do a, a retrospective. What was it like when you started? How about seven, eight, nine years after you start? How about now? How do you look at from when you started? How does it differ from when you started to what you're doing now? It wouldn't surprise me at all if Mike said, you know, aside from a few key things that you just can't not do anymore, we're pretty much running along the same lines. Now, that would surprise me from a number of other people if that was the case, but Mike just kind of strikes me, and I've had him on the show a number of times over the years. He strikes me as that guy that if it doesn't have to change and it's not giving you bad results or costing you a shot at winning a GC or an RGC, why change, right? So looking forward to that conversation with Mike Wozniak at 1035. Daniel Bennett coming up shortly Brett Galloway, SCA talk 1014 Mike Wozniak, Qow 1035 216 966 The email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Let everybody know the Facebook. Let everybody know via the Facebook or the Twitter that the show is on. Send them to my website for audio, thebbqcentralshow.com. Send them to outdoorcookingchannel.com slash watch dash now for the Video syndication portion of this. If you have Roku or IP television, search the App Store for Outdoor Cooking Channel. Check that out. You can watch it right from your TV. Streams live on YouTube, as we all know, from last week when my parents calling in. And by the way, I did see somebody post on YouTube, and I just want to make sure I point out this because to, you know I'm very myopic in how I look and how I think people think, which is like me. When I do the, the whole thing with my parents, uh, first of all, my parents don't sound like that, right? I mean, they don't. They're just They don't. You've heard my mom on the show a number of times. You've heard my dad on the show a couple times. They don't sound like that. It's my uh, tribute, homage, my give back to a guy who I feel in the talk show sense has been very influential for me. Maybe you don't hear a lot of him and me, but I listen to him and how he speaks and how he interviews, and maybe after I say it, maybe you do find a little bit about him. But The Voices is kind of a a payback or a tribute to the king of all media, Howard Stern. Somebody dropped that in a comment on YouTube. Howard Stern called once his parents back. I get it. So while The Voices are like an imitation of what he's doing with his parents— the material is all my mi- Lest anybody think the material is all mine. Howard has never done a bit where his parents call in talking about how they can't get his son who is doing a show from the basement on YouTube. The comedy is mine. The voices are a tribute back. So, you know, if you think I'm ripping them off, I'm not. I'll own up to it like in a heartbeat. It's just a tribute to him. I mean, you're damn right I wish my parents sounded like that. Oh, that would be the best then I wouldn't have to sit there with a bullhorn and talk into the microphone like on the telephone. Give me a break. My parents wish they sounded like that for crying out loud. I have in as many weeks times 3 breaking news.
0: A barbecue central show exclusive news update.
1: It's Greg Rumpy at the Breaking News Desk here in Cleveland, Ohio, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city. As of last Thursday, when the first one came out, The second Tuesday of the month, guest on this show, the creator of Amazing Ribs and I, have put a deal together for a 90-day trial for me to do exclusive content via the pit club at AmazingRibs.com. So we've put together a pit cast, that's the name of the show, at AmazingRibs.com that kind of mirrors the idea of the barbecue roundup, but we've made it a little bit more meathead centric so if you want to see what that's all about you have to become a member of the pit club it's 25 bucks for the year so it's like nothing right but you get to hear exclusive content made for amazingribs.com by me so if you like me you're not a member of the pit club already head on over to amazingribs.com and uh, sign up again 25 bucks for the year it's not 25 bucks a month 25 bucks for the year and check out the PitCast. i got my own forum and everything. Episode 2 coming out Thursday. So look forward to that. Very happy to be doing... Ha- very happy to be in cahoots with Meathead Gold. AmazingRibs.com Look, if you didn't know already, Big Papa Smokers is the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue. The number one dealer of Mac Pellet Grills in the world, Big Papa Smokers features a wide selection of American-made grills and smokers, such as the Old Hickory ASP the Gateway Drum Smoker, even a drum kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papas has made a name for itself in recent years by crafting an award-winning line of championship rubs. From flavors like Sweet Money to Happy Ending, they have had a hand in winning almost every major barbecue competition that takes place during the course of the year. And it's not just competition barbecue either. The rubs are so well-known, they've been asked by a nationwide restaurant chain, BJ's Restaurant and House to have four of the nine rubs featured on their permanent menu. BPS rubs are proven to be a great addition to anyone's pantry. They've also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. Big Papa's also features an online meat locker with top-quality meats from Snake River Farms shipped right to your door. The American Kobe beef, the caribou de pork, the Double R ranch meats, Big Papa's meat locker has something for every type of barbecue aficionado. Big Papa's has also banded, I'm sorry, has also created a unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition cooks in the country working together to promote camaraderie competition barbecue and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind that Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all of this. With only, what, five, six years of being in the business, turning competition barbecue on its head, providing customers with the very best barbecue products, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. Just the beginning. All right, we are back with Daniel Bennett, Q, Out of the break, you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central radio network. Stick around, we we'll be right back.
0: Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's
1: your host,
0: Greg Rampy.
1: All right, welcome back. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 31 cities. 500000 in cash, eternal bragging rights if you win the whole damn thing. This coming weekend, the Sam's Club Tour rolling into Overland Park, Kansas for a local qualifying event. To keep up with the Sam's Tour, see where the next event will be, or to register your team to compete if there's spots left, few maybe, visit kcbs.us Sam's Tour. All right, my first guest tonight, a host of her own barbecue TV show. She is a competition barbecue pitmaster and today was the first day that her new book was as the kids say dropped here to talk a bit about that some other barbecue topics in the world of fire and hot cooking and all that good stuff. Pitmaster of DivaQ competition team, author of DivaQ's, let's go ahead and welcome back Danielle Bennett to the show. D, what's up? How are you? I'm good. Well, I mean, where do we start, right? It's, it's been a little bit since you've been on the last time. So I'm not going to ask you the lame, what you've been doing since we talked the last time. As I mentioned in the open, the book is like officially launched today. Pre orders were incredibly strong for this one. I think I saw like last week you were number one on the pre's. Today it's like number one initial release on Amazon. I imagine the publisher and the other business parties involved in this effort have to be pretty jazzed up about where things are kind of sitting right now.
3: Well, I'm pretty stoked about the numbers that I'm seeing, and I won't give them all out, but uh, we are actually the number one barbecue and grilling book, the number one release before the drop date today, a week before, um, which is huge. That's a huge accomplishment, apparently. This is all a new experience for me, so... Of course, I don't know what the expectations are. I don't know anything about it. But I think anytime you drop a book um, and it hasn't even released out to the public yet and you're already the number one release, number one bestseller on Amazon, and that doesn't include the 6,000 copies we sold on QVC as well, um, that's pretty huge.
1: So I guess, how does the deal come together? I I forget if we talked about this the last time, kind of as you were in the process, but Are you approached or do you have the idea of the book and you go to a publisher and pitch? What's the deal there?
3: Well, what has happened is actually over the years, I've been asked many, many times to actually uh, put a book out. Um, I just kept pushing back and thinking it's not the right time, it didn't feel right, uh, I didn't want to do it, because of my own issues with knowing that the book would have to be 100% in my own words. You see, here's the thing, the vast majority of all cookbooks by bigger names out there that are being put out have ghostwriters. You know, that's that secondary or third name that's on that book front. Um, I knew that if I wrote a book, I would have to do it all myself because I don't want somebody to read a recipe and say, well, that's crap, that doesn't work, or that's just not uh, reality. So the um, publishers were coming after me a few times and uh, from different publishing houses. I didn't want to do a self-published book. I also wanted to make sure that my name was aligned with the biggest there is in the business, and that's Random House. Um, Random House is one of the largest producers of books in the world. Uh, They have an incredible in-house marketing team. And so for me, it wasn't just taking any old deal that came along. Um, They approached me, asked to have a meeting with me uh, through an introduction with Jennifer Bain from the Toronto Stars Food Department, and the ball just kind of kept rolling like that. You then have to still send in a proposal, and then you negotiate a contract based on what they think your viable numbers will be, and it kind of goes from there.
1: So you you hit on a great term, viable numbers. You don't know them. You know that they're very reputable and they've put out a billion books. And They don't know you aside from maybe what they've seen on the internet or on television. How is a a viable number derived that everybody feels good about?
3: Well, I think one of the things they take a look at is your reach, um, your impressionable reach. One of the things is is that I have, as anybody knows, a very active social media I am the the world's number one most influential woman in barbecue, and I have the stats and the numbers to prove that. My Twitter, for example, my Twitter gets 15,000 followers, however, we reach anywhere from 400 to half a million unique impressions every single month. That's a huge number. Um, they take a look at things like that. They take a look at the fact that, you know, we had a successful TV show for three years. They, they take a look at the fact that you're on the Food Network or uh, you're seen as an authority. And then it's a guessing game. Uh, I think they make educated guesses as to how many copies they think the book will sell. I think they make the best decision at that time. And and of course, then there's the money involved. You know, and I won't talk about money, but you know, you have to understand that um, these books take a lot of time to do, a lot of writing. And I wasn't willing to to write a book for Chump Change. I was willing to write a book that, that got that got properly compensated in my world. My you know my world. Um, I, I think that there comes a quality content uh, when you are working on a project that's real and maybe not such a you know, a fly in the pants kind of uh, in, you know, individual small book. I wanted this to be a book that people would refer back to for many years. Um, I wasn't looking for a book that somebody would just put on their shelf. I wanted to create a book that people would use over and over again, go back to, revisit, and uh, with that comes a contract. that's a with it.
1: Daniel Bennett joining me here on the show, DivaQ, website, divaq.ca. You're not going to give specifics on the money. uh, Of course, I'm going to ask, but deflect as you will. But here's, I guess, a kind of a a more high-level question. You know, 15 years ago, book writing, completely different deal, right? Given the anticipation of your book, I imagine, you know, back then you could have secured what some would consider like life-changing advance because book then are different than books now so on this project and you've alluded to it i mean i imagine you make out okay and as others have told me on this show before that are well-known book writers the book thing to some is more of a way to keep the brand out there and isn't necessarily like the big money grab that it used to be i mean what's your thought on that whole deal
3: I completely agree. You know, you don't write a book to make money. You write a book to open other doors to make money. Um, I think that that's a very, very astute uh, statement. At the end of the day, the book is something that has already gone into multiple reprints. I'm very excited about that. Um, this is day one of the launch. We we are already into, uh, I think, publishing number, printing number two and a half, maybe almost three. I'll find out by the end of this week. Um, so at the end of the day, you have to take a look at what is this book going to do for me? And what do you want the book to do? Because if you just want to get your name out there and it's going to be cheap and it's going to be, you know, kind of wishy-washy recipes, Hey, that's, that's your deal. Um, for me, it was a combination of get my brand out there. Um, be known as a reliable source for all things, barbecue and grilling information and keep the DVQ brand alive.
1: In regards to an advance, is there a certain number that you have to hit in like gross sales? Where once that number's triggered, there's like uh, back end points or percentage of gross, or you get an extra amount of money or something like? How does how does the book compensation work after the advance?
3: Well, typically the book is divided into three uh, components of payment. First of all, you receive an advance um, that's upon book contract signing. That is to cover off, you know, your time for that portion of the book. Then you have to submit a completed manuscript. You get another payment at that point. At the last day is the drop day, which is today, and you get your last payment until the book goes into reprints and or negotiable terms. Negotiable terms could be a lot of different things depending on your status, your um like, you know, much bigger names than me, much, much bigger names than me, um, can negotiate things uh, like digital percentages and definitely back end sales. Um, so each contract is individual, but basically that's how it gets broken down into those three payments.
1: So, best case scenario for you on the first book effort?
3: I'm in the middle of it right now, best case scenario.
1: Yeah, right. So In the end, like, are you hoping to be like in a seven figure range on this thing, or is it just like somewhere in the six figures? Like, what's the utopia here?
3: I will, I won't comment on those numbers, but I will say the more reprints, the better in my life.
1: Absolutely. Danielle Bennett joining me here on the show, uh, talking about the new book, Diva Q's. So, talk to me about the writing process. If you're not going to tell me how much money you're making, let's talk about the writing process. Was it love? A labor of love? Just labor? Like, what's it like for you?
3: It's actually a combination of all of those things. Um, it's 195 recipes, which is double the size of most books. Um, in addition to the 195 recipes, throughout the book, there are things. There's that book. Yay! There it is. Um, there's tips there's you. called Savvy because I wanted a value-added book. And, and what I mean by that is that I didn't want somebody just to have – Just the Recipes. Um, Just the Recipes is great. So as you can see, you know, this book has a lot of content. It's a great book. I'm very proud of it. But we have things like these little Q-savvies. And the Q-savvies are little tips and tricks to almost give you, uh, it's either like another recipe or another version. So they're rather painful to write because, you know, you forget a lot of things. I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years. There's a lot of different things I've done over the years. Um, Most of the recipes I had some formation of already and or have already made in my backyard. The other thing is that, you know, you have to write the charts that are at the front. And I remember getting into an argument one day with one of the editors because, you know, they wanted an absolute chart of time. And that's a really hard thing to do for me because being a barbecuer and a griller, it's done when it's done, and you know you can't say to somebody, "Well, here's an absolute time frame," because people are so used to reading absolute recipes that say, "You know, this roast will take 2.5 hours or whatever." Well, in barbecue, no, it doesn't work that way. There's so many different tangents and variables. So, you know, I even put a disclaimer in the book. You know, where you know, in all you know all cases, um, you know, use a digital thermometer. So, I mean, some of the writing process is absolutely painful. I remember one day whipping, and I mean whipping, the manuscript up against the the wall just out of absolute frustration thinking this was the most painful thing I've ever gone through because editors were asking 50 million questions that I thought were personally really obvious. Um, But they were doing their great job. They were doing the job that they had to, and they were reading it from really fresh eyes not making assumptions of any knowledge whatsoever in barbecue and grilling. And so that's why the book comes out as, as thorough as it does, because we tried to answer everybody's questions. And that's not easy, because everybody has different barbecues, different grills, different you know situations. Um, so I remember that uh, some of the book writing was extremely painful. I remember the day I submitted the manuscript, I think I drank half a bottle of whiskey just because I was so <laughs> freaking happy it was done. Um I remember thinking at some points during the book I'll never do this again. Uh I remember about a month in going this was the stupidest contract I'd ever you know I'd ever agreed to. Um I remember being absolutely beside myself excited when I got the first copy of the book. Then I, uh, you know I was annoyed that some of the the edits didn't get done and it's it's an emotional roller coaster. Um but the biggest thing is I am so grateful So incredibly grateful and blessed to have so much support from my barbecue family and friends. It has been uh, just crazy overwhelming how many people have either written me today or in the last, uh, last, specifically the last day or so. Uh, about they've seen the book, they love the book's content. And these are people that I admire in the barbecue world. These are people that I look up to that are inspirations to me. So to receive that kind of feedback today was pretty phenomenal.
1: Danielle Bennett joining me here on the show, DivaQ, the website divaq.ca. The book is available to buy right now, today, first day, and she's come right here on this show to talk all about it. Daniel, within the past few weeks, um, I've got your book. I've seen Stephen Reichlin's book come out. I've seen the Grill Stock book come out. Meathead has a book coming out here shortly. With the arrival of, I guess, what many people would call the traditional grilling season, I can't imagine it's coincidence that all of these books are kind of coming out one right after another. You know, you're a business person. Is there any concern about timing, or do you know going up front that, you're going to be front-loaded in the beginning of a grilling season with the associated books?
3: Well, I think the thing is is that um, it's, it's like you just said. This is the, eight, you know, the typical grilling and barbecue season. I think the quality of the content of each of the books will stand out on its own. Um, there are books that you buy because they look pretty and they look nice on the shelf. There are books you buy because you think you're actually going to use them. Um, I think that there's room in the barbecue pool for all of them. I mean, I own, gosh, I own probably a good 40 or 50 cookbooks myself that are all in some way related to barbecue and/or grilling. So I, I have no problem with all these great books coming out. I mean, certainly Meathead's book is going to be phenomenal. He is so scientific based, and um, Stephen Reikland, uh, of course, he is a, you know a considerable author of great talent that has been doing this for so many years. Um, at the end of the day, I make food for real people who really want to cook uh, and grill and to be happy in their backyards. So I think there's room for all of us.
1: In the recipe process, hmm? from here's an idea to going to the store to actually getting it down on paper, How many? what was the percentage of success versus, oh, I, I can't use this, this is going to be scrapped out?
3: Well, I'll tell you, I don't know if I have so much of a percentage of success. I will tell you this. When we shot the book, I spent $4,000 on groceries. Um, and tests and trials ahead of time, probably a good three to $4,000 addition to that. Wow. Um, most of my recipes are successful. Um, there's very few times where I don't have something successful that hits the grill. Because at the basics, you know, you have to understand how acids work, how how salt will work, how heat will work, how oxygen and and flames and times and meat proteins. So once you get the basics down, it's really about the flavor profiles. I mean, once you figure out how to cook, uh, you know, a pizza on the grill, well, then it's a matter of ingredients. Once you figure out how to cook a brisket and or a steak, well, it's all the things you can do to it. So I think once you have that basis of knowledge, which I do possess. Um, you kind of go from there and you just make things that you think taste great. Not everybody's going to like every recipe in the book, but they're going to find something they love because there are so many kick-ass recipes in there, um, that things that I have made for parties or, or people have asked for them repeatedly. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think this is anybody who's followed me on social media or even my Facebook you know that I post, I am one of those typical over-sharers because I post my dinner pics almost every single day about what I'm eating because I cook all the time. So I think the, that I've had actually minimal failures, but a lot of adventures in food.
1: You can get it on Amazon.com right now. Is it going out into brick-and-mortar stores as well, or is it mostly like an online effort, or is it just going to be everywhere no matter what?
3: It's going to be everywhere. It's already at, uh, I think, uh, it's already at Costco in Canada. I believe Sam's Club is coming over the next few days. Um, I know that uh, uh, Stone Barbecue Supply up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, got their order. I know that TraegerGrills.com is already selling their copies. Uh, the book is available to anyone and it's out there.
1: Do you have another book already, like in the shoot? Is it, when you signed the first book was it contingent on like a multiple book offering, or did it have to see how the first one went in order to start going to two, to three, to four?
3: Well, we have the options available for for, for future books, and yes, absolutely, I'm already working on them. I don't have signed deals yet. And I'm not gonna gonna lie about that. Um, I, I I'm pretty darn sure though they're pretty happy with my numbers right now. I'll tell you that. Well- uh, we were putting out a solid book full of great recipes that people are loving and enjoying Um, you know it's funny that I see some of my friends and family making comments and like oh my gosh that's you know that's the recipe you always used to make for football um, you know for the Super Bowl or that's oh my gosh that's your Christmas Eve you know recipe for, for your meatball tree or you know there's the meat cake you made for that birthday party so I mean these are tried and true recipes already and I'm looking forward to sharing even more of them in the future
1: Would another book be – is it always going to be live fire with you or will you venture off into some uncharted waters that we're not familiar or we don't associate with you and the brand?
3: Well, I think at the end of the day, I don't like to put limits on myself, period. Um, I I follow the two hashtags of life, want more and unstoppable. I mean I even got you know unstoppable tattooed on my arm. Um, I don't like putting limits on myself at all. In any case, um, if anything, I've proven that you can do anything you set your mind to as long as you work hard enough and you're focused enough. And, uh, you know, passion is great and passion is wonderful, but passion doesn't work that great unless you're working hard too. Um, so I wouldn't put any limits on what I'm capable of in the future. You just never know what'll happen.
1: Daniel Bennett joining me here on the show. Uh, Dee, can I hold you over for another segment and we'll continue the talks?
3: Sure, absolutely.
1: All right. Stand by with more talking with Danielle Bennett, Diva Q. you know her, divaq.ca, her website. And the book is out, DivaQs. Go to Amazon.com. Go to anywhere that sells books. It's out. Let me talk to you for a few minutes about the longest running sponsor of the show, located in Warminster, Pennsylvania, the good folks over at the Barbecue Guru. Group. If you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control technology for your cooker, stop here. They created this technology. Why are you going to buy from anybody else? I don't know. If you're not familiar with how they work, imagine a product that allows you to set a pit temperature and once that keeps it running throughout the cook at that temperature. Sound too good to be true? It's not. You can take advantage of this technology right today because, look, maybe you're a busy working professional like me or you're constantly on the run with the kids doing errands and you just don't have the time to set around and tend those pit temperatures. I get it. The Guru allows you to set a pit temp, and it keeps it running all the way through the cook. So now you can throw on a couple slabs of ribs or a pork butt or a brisket or all of that, set the temp, and boom, you're free to go do whatever you need to do. The Guru has your back. number of different models to choose from. If you're a big gadget person or you don't like to get out of bed in the middle of the night, attach your smart device to the CyberQ Wi-Fi and monitor the temperature of your pit from your phone or your computer or your tablet or whatever. And if you're cooking too fast or too slow, you can actually make pit adjustments right there. And you can monitor the internal temperature of the meats that you have cooking. CyberQ Wi-Fi actually has the potential of controlling two pits at once. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you have Party-Q, about $149 or so. Self-contained, goes from a bullet-style cooker to a kettle-style cooker to a ceramic-style cooker, runs on AA batteries. It's like the cruise control for your pit. Doesn't get any easier. It's five-degree increments. Set it and forget it to coin a phrase here's what you want to do go to the barbecue guru's website the check out their products and if you have any questions about what to order don't guess call them ask for a sales associate they will make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box again the website the and the number is 800-288-GURU the barbecue guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology we are back with more DivaQ talk right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
0: Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rappy.
1: This portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. How about something medium-sized? Got a kind of a medium-sized family? They got one. How about small for tailgates or camping or whatever? They got you covered there, too. Also, pellets to fire those cookers. GreenMountainGrills.com is their website. Check them out. I just used my Green Mountain Grill to cook a bunch of chicken wings over the weekend. I love it. You could love yours too. Visit the website, greenmountaingrills.com. All right. We're talking with Daniel Bennett, Diva Q about the new book, Diva Q's. It's out. Like what else you want to tell me about that book? Like what's your biggest, darkest secret that you haven't told anybody yet about the book?
3: Um, I think I've told just about everybody anything about the book. I think it's full of delicious goodness. I think it's uh, for people who actually know how to cook. Um, I think if you're going to write a book, you should actually know how to barbecue and grill. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of bullcrap books come out in the last couple of years, and I'll call them that because um, these are people that never cook. They don't even like food in the best of days. And uh, they're putting out these books, and I'm like, who's buying this crap? So for me, it's, it's important that it's an authentic, real book of food that actually people will enjoy.
1: Daniel, you had mentioned in the thank you that you put out on Facebook a little bit ago that the last, you know, 13, 14 months have been some of the most difficult <laughs> times. And, yeah. you know, for for the people that don't follow you, I guess, uh, I mean, I follow it. I'm, I'm a little closer than than maybe some others are. But <laughs> originally, you know, dvq.ca, Canada, right? So you were up in Canada. I remember when you got into barbecue. It was a yeah. whole different scene. So. About a year ago or so, you leave Canada, yeah. you yeah. go through a divorce. Yeah. You have three kids. And I have
3: three kids.
1: Three, and and ex husband. Let me make that very clear. Yeah. And, and yeah. Vlad. Hi oh, to Vlad. Um, but it's not like you're moving down the street or around the block. I mean, you are boom down to Florida, which is like kind of far. So. What-
3: the people don't understand that my parents had a place here in Florida for like 25, 30 years. So Florida was like second home to me. Um, there, there is a, there, there were multiples of reasons I ended up coming here. Um, but that, that's actually one of the reasons why too.
1: So you are for as long as I've known you, you have had the mantra in some form or fashion of, I'm going to make it in barbecue. This is my deal. This is my passion. I'm working it every day balls to the wall. hundred percent. Yeah. Does, being balls to the wall 100% in some way cost you the marriage portion of where you were at that point.
3: Well, you know, the thing is, I'm not, I'm actually not willing to talk about my marriage, uh, my former marriage. And there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, it's that I respected my children. Secondly, it is respect to my ex. Um, one of the things is, is that I think it's an extremely poor taste when people disparage their ex publicly, because at the end of the day, that is my father's children. He is a good man and they will always have someone to look up to. Um, so I, I, will say that, that anytime you enter a very passionate career, there are challenges. Um, but I am not about to put my marriage or my my former marriage on, on public notice other than to say that my children live in Canada. I fly them in regularly. Um, I fly up there regularly. I talk to them multiples of times every day. I'm very grateful for technology and Skype uh, and the fact that you know I, I have these uh, great conversations. And also, I think the fact is if I was a guy that did it, nobody would question it.
1: But really? Really? You think you think it's a you think it, there's a, a sexist double standard there?
3: Absolutely, because anytime a man leaves a marriage, they're never questioned ever, ever, not ever. But it's no different in barbecue. You know, it's so funny is that I can be in a store and I'm, you know, somebody will ask me a question and I'm asking a question about the thickness of the metal or how the oxygen works, and and, uh, and a service person will look at me like I've got two heads and ignore me. So I mean it's it's a double standard, and we're still working on those those barriers, and that's okay. It'll, it'll get there eventually.
1: All right. So let me let me let me ask this question. Yep. Because now I'm seeing it in the chat room. Do you think?
3: I can't the, see the chat room. I'm trying no, to see the chat. Room.
1: That's all fine. You, I'm just going to ask you the question, and you'll answer it honestly. Do you no, think I- that if you were, you know, I don't, I, I can't even come up with a, a good a good uh, comparison here. Do you think that I would have asked a man the same question that I just asked you? Was that is that unfair?
3: I think that that's pretty accurate, yeah. I think that most times that uh, men, you know, when they end their marriages, it is what it is, and that it's all what it all is, you know. You, they move for their careers, and, and things, unfortunately, sometimes have to change, or their passion change, and they're not typically questioned about it. But at the end of the day, I'm a female who is uh, who has their ex, you know, as the primary caregiver. So, yeah, I'm a little unusual still in, in the eyes of most people.
1: Do, but do you think that I wouldn't have not asked a man that? Um,
3: Greg, you would have asked anyways, always, anybody. <laughs> You're, you have always asked 5 million questions. But I think in the general public, yeah, it's 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 pretty typical.
1: All right. So let me ask you this. Given the, the success of the day and and everything that's happened, I mean, is there a little bit of you that is still like, man, I, I would love to have everybody around me just for a little bit of celebration or because of that technology that you just mentioned, it, it almost doesn't matter. There, there are no borders, and and there almost is no distance.
3: Well, I think that there is. There's still those moments, you know, where you, yeah, absolutely. I would have loved to see my kids today, um, but I'm not going to pull them out of school until you know I'm, I'm going to get them in couple in like two weeks. Um, so yeah, there's there's those moments that where you know you want to give them a hug or whatever, and then there's moments where my daughter Ella, who is just so kick ass as is Gabe and Lexi. Will like today. I mean, we were we were literally just on Skype, you know, a little while ago. Um, and she'll turn to me and say, "Mom, I am so proud of you. You rocked it out." And that to me, my kids are proud of me. At the end of the day, my kids are proud of me for working hard and trying to to have a career in something that is that is not typical for for a female and certainly not typical for a Canadian. Um, my kids are proud of me. I've got a tight circle of friends. My squad's pretty close. I don't give a rat's ass when anybody else thinks at that point. <laughs> I work hard. Anybody who knows me it knows how hard I work. Um, and the opinions of, of those people um, who are just out to disparage me don't matter.
1: Your kids know you, and your kids know the – I mean, you've been a, a great model of putting your mind to something and achieving and achieving and achieving, and, achieving and it's not – I mean certainly there's luck with anything you do but by and large it's passion and hard work as you said and I know many experts across many different businesses and market segments that will say hey without the hard work you can't just expect something to fall in your lap so yeah. you're you're showing them this do they do they understand you know who you are and and do their friends like hey man you your mom's diva Q and you know that's awesome like are, do they kind of understand that whole celebrity aspect of it
3: um yeah they do they've gotten it because you know we've been in airports before together and that's happened um we've been sitting down at dinner and it's happened we've been in a grocery store and it's happened um you know my daughter is like you know i haven't seen your book at costco yet i'm going to check it out next week with dad all right (laughs) great um and, and certainly you know there is um uh, a level of respect there, even from their dad. They're, you know, like they when they when they're up and doing that. They went to Mexico with him just a little while ago, and you know we're chatting every day on on. Thank God for technology. Once again, on Skype every day, and their dad's sending me pictures of, of saying, "Hey, here's what the kids are doing today," and I'm all proud of them, and you know, so it's a lot of communication back and forth, so that they know what's going on in my life, and I know what's going on in their life, and I know um, at all times what they're doing and they know exactly what their mom is doing. Ella checked out, you know, Amazon today and said, Holy crap. You did it again, mom. You're like number one bestseller. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you. Come on. There's nothing better than your kids, your kids, when your kids tell you that they are proud of you. Um, nothing's better than that. Um, but you know what? I, I think that there is, um, I know a lot of people were asking me about the name change. You know, there was a lot of discourse and discussion about that. um, I got some really lovely hate mail. That was fun. Um, you know, it's it's. I've got really broad shoulders, and there are days it gets to me, but the vast majority it doesn't. I have nothing left to prove to any of these guys.
1: So I mean, what is anybody? What is anybody writing about? Whether you have Domovsky or Bennett as a last name, like where does that weigh into anybody else's life but yours and Vlad's?
3: Exactly. So at the end of the day, you know, one of the things I've always laughed. I'm like, huh. I don't think that has anything to do with my barbecuing skill set. <laughs> so I don't really care what you think. You know, I've got, uh, I'm in a wonderful, amazing relationship with someone uh, who I, I love with all my heart. Um, I, I only wish um, the best for everybody in my life. At the end of the day, I say to my kids, you know, be kinder than you need to be because people need a lot more of that. There's enough bullshit and crap in the world that I don't need to be a part of. Um put your nose to the grindstone, work hard, give your best effort every day. And uh, hopefully, you know, sometimes the stars line up and things are a success.
1: Do you feel, do you think that you're kind of like a a relationship person? Do you, I mean, you were married a long time, you're in a relationship now. Could you have seen yourself, you know, in between where you just were like, hey, it's just going to be me. I have some friends hanging on, but I'm just going to go full bore. Or or do you do? you, do you like to have somebody around you to to be able to share stuff with?
3: Um, I actually didn't think I was going to be in a relationship for quite a while. (laughs) And I, uh, you know, went out on a blind coffee date. Uh, Ended up being the best thing in my life ever. Um, So, you know what? I think you just need to be open to whatever life throws at you because, you know, uh, there's been a lot of stuff in this last year that I did not expect to happen. Uh, There are a lot of opportunities personally and professionally that I didn't expect to happen. At the end of the day, it is your life to live. We're not on a a practice run. It's not a trial run. So in all honesty, who cares what anybody else thinks? It's your life. I don't think you need to play by anybody else's rules but your own. As long as you're a kind person, you're thoughtful and considerate of your friends and your squad, who the hell cares about what anybody else thinks?
1: The book is out. What's going on with the TV show?
3: A uh, TV show right now is, is, is not in existence, unfortunately, um, That's which is really sad, uh, because we are so well-rated. And, you know, it's a funny thing with TV. Um, we had the, the, this incredibly high-rated TV show, and the originating network uh, decided to go with a completely different digital format. Um, and, unfortunately, they went to an all-sci-fi-slash-paranormal uh, network. So we weren't canceled, but they, they just didn't have a home for us at about, I don't know, I think it was like 30, 40 other programs. So somebody else could come and pick Diva Q's, uh, you know, barbecue crawl up in the future. It hasn't been canceled. You know, there, there's still a possibility of that. Um, this year, I wasn't too concerned with it, with the book and everything else going on. Um, I was actually kind of grateful not to have to go out for like, you know, nine, ten weeks and film. Um, I did a Food Network uh, judging segment uh, for the Kids' Q Championship, which I think is pretty awesome. I love doing that. Uh, There's a couple other opportunities that are coming down the pipe that I can't talk about right now. And, uh, you know, I don't think it's the last you'll see of me on TV. How about that?
1: Good enough for me. I mean, I I would imagine just because one network decides to go completely different, uh, that that doesn't make you available. If the show does that well I mean somebody's got to pick it up down the line I would imagine but we both know uh, that uh, guy John Marcus who's seen a lot of barbecue television and has had you know one story after another of hey it's a success hey we're not in anymore I'm not a part of it I'm back into it I mean it, it just seems to be quite a, a whole different niche that uh, if you're not used to it it's hard to put your head around I guess
3: yeah TV's a really weird little world um, and I don't play the game very well because I don't bullshit very well Um, I'm, as you know, Greg, we have been friends for many, many years. I call it like I see it and I don't kiss a lot of people's asses either. And so that's, that's not that good for TV. Um, I don't believe that I need to kiss somebody's ass if I'm already working hard, um, and applying myself. So I don't play the game very well. And at the end of the day, I could sleep at night. I'm good with that. Uh,
1: once again, you did say as far as the food networks, kid Q championship. Yep. You're going to be a judge on that.
3: Yeah, I uh, I got to the opportunity to be a judge on one of their episodes. I was so inspired by the kids that were cooking on that show. Um, gosh, our barbecue future is looking bright if these kids keep going. <laughs> they are just amazing, um, beautiful little people that could outcook most of us.
1: <laughs> is this the generation, I think, the whatever the millennials are, and they get bashed quite a bit about being pretty – non self sufficient and if mom or dad or whoever wasn't there to create meals for them they would probably waste away to nothing is this a generation that picks it back up and is going to be a little bit more domesticated when it comes to the cooking
3: i think that's a great commentary i mean here's the thing we have everybody in the restaurants the millennials and they're taking pictures of 50 million things and and they they, um, they stand in lineups for barbecue joints, and, and they do a lot of stuff, but they don't actually cook anything. <laughs> you know, that's, the, that's the irony of it all. They're the mass communicators on Instagram and all of our social network feeds, you know, Snapchat, Twitter. Um, but they don't cook a lot. And it's so funny because I was thinking that when we were filming the Kids' Q Championship. I'm like, I hope this generation picks it back up. Um, I'm hopeful for it, you know. I think one of the things is one of the biggest problems though, in all honesty, Greg, is the fact that our schools aren't teaching any basic cooking skills or home economics whatsoever. Um, kids are coming out these days and even how to sew a button on. They have no idea even how to boil an egg properly. So I think it's got to go back to the schools and get those basic home economics programs and shop and woodworking back into schools because we're teaching our kids how to memorize answers, not actually learn anything these days. And so I know I'm on a bit of a soapbox and I'm taking it in a little bit of a direction. um, But it is such an annoyance to me to see these kids these days and I know a lot of them. I mean, between myself and my boyfriend, we have six children between the two of us. It's like the Brady Bunch. And, you know, some some of our kids know how to cook and some of our kids don't know how to cook. And it's ridiculous to me. They don't even know how to shop for groceries. So I think that I'm really hopeful that maybe the, the future politicians and educators that make those decisions will, you know, hopefully <laughs> – that our children are worth investing in and for some actual practical education, not this bullcrap, you know, weird ass math they're learning and everything else they're doing right now and give them some cooking skills again and some real life skills so that we have a generation that's not just snapping pictures of food, but actually making it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's weird to be taking pictures of all the food, all the food that you are not making. <laughs> Very weird. Danielle yes. Bennett joining me here on the show. Diva Q. The website, dvq.ca, the book is out. It is called Diva Q's. It's 195 recipes. Wow, are you kidding me? So, again, uh, this is a book that you want to go through and read, but you can go back as a reference piece, back time and time again, year after year.
3: There's a lot of great libation recipes from many, many, many barbecue teams, just an FYI. I figured a lot of my friends could contribute a lot of libations.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you're, uh, the, you have experts abound when it comes to that. Uh, Danielle, really appreciate the time tonight, really appreciate the candor and the honesty, and uh, continued success. We'll talk again soon.
3: Thanks, Greg. Appreciate
1: you, it. You got it. There she is. Yeah, give me a break. That's the one I wanted. Danielle Danielle Bennett divaq divaq.ca is the website Uh, amazon.com for the books any major retailers that are out there you heard it from her it's everywhere everywhere do you know where a book is sold it's probably right there All right, folks, let me talk to you about the Chops Power Injector System. The 2016 Barbecue Tool of the Year, the 2015 Barbecue Tool of the Year, two years in a row. Look, sometimes products are out, a lot of hubbub, they win an award, and then like a flash, boom, they're gone, right? The Chops Power Injector System has legitimized itself as a real tool Something that you are going to want to get. Get, period. I was going to say get with, but just get it. B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, city.com. If you're somebody that is continuing to inject your briskets and your pork butts and your chickens or whatever, well, maybe chickens you can still do with a single needle. But the big stuff, why are you suffering with incredible amount of inefficiency. One needle with the CHOPS power injector system you got three different kinds to choose from. The half gallon the full gallon or the electric now the half and full gallons are holding tanks under pressure four needles. You can do ten pork butts in the time that's going to take you to do one right? And the first time you use it you're going to be like there's no way I was using one needle for this long after Rempi had been talking about Chops Power Injector System. It was was the first thing that I said when I got mine. Now, if you're a a big dog in the restaurant game, huge catering, Chops Full Power Injector System is for you. It is electric. It's got a a three-and-a-half-foot pickup tube instead of a holding tank, so you can use it from a couple ounces all the way to a 55-gallon drum. They got all the accessories you need. They're handmade in Kansas City, Missouri. You can infuse alcohol in them if you want as well. CHOP's Power Injector System gives your barbecue power. Again, the website, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. Dan Ulidal and the gang over there. Again, the barbecue tool of the year, NBBQA, twice in as many years, 2015, 2016. Go get yourself one right now. 100 bucks to start. You got 100 bucks to save time. The amount of time it's going to save you well over $100. Your time is worth more than you think it is, trust me. All right, we're back to wrap up the first hour right after this. Stick around, we'll be right back. alright welcome back 216-220-0966 greg at the BBQ Central show.com barbecue food for you saying good interview sylvie curry always enjoy interviews with danielle she has a very vibrant personality guest 72 thanks greg great interview with danielle thank you just some of the instant feedback in case you were wondering uh, I do appreciate her candor and openness, of course. I, I I guess I tend to agree. I uh, again, when I go back to myopic state of everybody should think like me. If, uh, if 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 a, and again, I can't come up with an equal comparison because I don't know anybody. Like I know Danielle coming from, kind of, we kind of were in barbecue together many 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 years ago. It's funny how time flies. But to see her come from where she started to where we're at now, I don't have an equal comparison to that. I don't. I don't have a, a a career chart. Now, if Danielle was Dan, and that was his path that he took, I'm asking the same questions. I am, but I guess I can see from a traditional standpoint where you know she leaves; it's a big deal or the marriage dissolves and it's a big deal because she's a woman and she's the face and if it's a man double standard, I get it that doesn't mean I'm not going to ask man or not I guess that would be a woman alright, I totally blew through the, uh, the outro there so stick around, we'll reload for the second hour we cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine,
2: how do you You have a great show of a big fan. Boing. So what What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle.
1: Charbonneau! It's all about the Charbonneau, dude! Succulent fish! What?!
2: Eight
1: fifty-four Wiener. So listen, Laburnia, check, I'm shaking like a dog shit
4: <laughs> We have top men working on it right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Top men. All right, now we're in the second hour. How about that? This is the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about barbecue and grilling related fun stuff here. 216-220-0966. Greg at Show.com. If you want to jump in tonight, more than happy to have you. You want to weigh in on the Danielle Bennett interview, go ahead. Love to hear what you got to say. Oh, where'd my page go? Still to come tonight, Brett Galloway from the State cook Association, the SCA. Mike Wozniak from QWOW. They just won their 75th Grand Championship. How about that? All right, I want to leave that up. Anyway, to uh, close out there, Um, I, and I don't know, maybe other hosts don't uh, or wouldn't, but I think it's unfair for me knowing her as I do to not ask the questions that I did um, but I do see where others may decide to leave or make the uh, double standard assumptions uh, that she was talking about. So that's why I'm a host. And others are not that good. Two one six two two zero zero nine six six. Greg at the Central com. The Sam's Club barbecue tour rolled into Las Vegas, Nevada this past weekend. This was the first regional final that feeds the top 10 teams into the Bentonville-Arkansas national final a little bit later this year. The top 10 teams moving on. Grand champion with a 695.4. Sponsor of this show, Big Papa Smokers and Sterling Ball. Whoa! I'm going to get back to Sterling Ball here in just one second. Reserve Grand Champion, Smoke and Moe's Barbecue with a 694.2. So pretty close. Third place, Hickory and Spice Barbecue. Fourth place, Iowa Smoky D's Barbecue. Fifth place, Joe Bob's Barbecue. Sixth place, Mad Dog's Barbecue. Seventh place, Pellet Envy. Eighth place, Rooftop Barbecue. Ninth place, Team America and rounding out the top 10 and moving to Bentonville, Son of Smoke. Wow. I can sit here and tell you legitimately that more than half of that field advancing to Bentonville has a really good shot at winning the whole damn thing. Are you kidding me? Big Papa Smokers, Iowa Smoky D's, Joe Bob's, Pellet Envy, and Rooftop Barbecue? And smoking and mose? What? That region is unbelievable. Those ten finalists got to be some of the strongest region finals ever. That's a huge region that is being sent to Bentonville. Others are looking on with bated breath. Oof, that's going to be a tough. The next Sam's Club barbecue tour again will be this coming weekend 423 in Overland Park, Kansas good luck to all those competing now let me circle back to Big Papa Smokers and there's somebody else that's going to be involved in this as well I've said it before time and time again you come on the show Tuesday if you're going to compete you can guarantee you can guarantee that you're going to win Let us talking back to last week. Now, while he wasn't on my show, per se, I did uh, record Sterling Ball talking about, which was then his second win in a row, in Wildemar for the AmazingRibs.com uh, pitcast show. And we talked about two in a row, and we talked about looking at three, and Does he consider three at all going into this weekend? And it's the Sam's Club Regional. There was going to be a lot of good teams there and all this other stuff. And Sterling took the very methodical, measured, sports-type answer of, hey, I don't want to sound cliche, but it's one cook at a time. One cook, one weekend at a time. One event, one turn-in, one cook, boom. We're not looking for three. I'm not expecting to win. It's almost... Uh, insulting to say I expect to win given the crowd that's going to be there this past weekend at the regional final all the stuff he said all the right stuff it doesn't negate the fact that he showed up put in work on a recording and then won out and won he did it I have the figures to prove it so Sterling fetches his third win in a row and really only missed a pl- uh, a third a uh, Nice English. His third plus 700 points overall finish in a row as well. Also, just for point of note, Fred Robles from uh, Rio Valley showed up on this show last week, competed in a local event where he is in Texas, and won his third in a row as well. I mean, I don't know. People call all the time. People email me all the time. You talk about this show, Karma, and it never happens. How do you know it really happens? If you go back and listen to the interview from last week, when I was talking to Fred Robles, I said, Fred, where are you going to be at next week or this coming weekend? I'm going to be somewhere local and around my house. I said, hey, you're probably not too familiar with the show, but... When you come on the show Tuesdays, if you compete that weekend, you win. So I'm not going to tell you you're going to win, but you know you're pretty much a lock. Sure enough, get a get an email Saturday night going. Hey, I was just telling somebody on the awards that you told me I was going to win. Sure as shit, I won it. Of course, it's the show karma. It always works. If Danielle is competing this coming weekend, guess what? She's going to get grand championship. It just happens. I don't know if she's going to be competing. We didn't get into that. But if she is, she knows she's a lock. It's fine. Also, remember that I mentioned last week for the Android users that the Barbecue Central show in podcast form, while it does amazing things all over the iTunes, it's like the most popular way that... Folks listen to this show when they don't get it live, right? So, Google Play has finally gone into the podcast foray and made a native podcast app. Now, you don't have to get Beyond Pod or some third party podcast catcher app. It's slowly kind of rolling out. So, if you get the Google Play music, it's not the Google Play App Store, but Google Play Music. And right now it is available through a web portal service. But at some point soon, keep checking on your phones, you're going to be able to get podcasts, and then you can subscribe to the Barbecue Central Show through your Android device natively, which is great. So what can I tell you? Uploads should... or uh, Uploads. Downloads should be going up seismically for this show because finally Google Play Music has caught up with iTunes. I mean, what took so long? Do you just think podcasting was going to be like a, fa- a fad and this wasn't really going to catch on? Come on. Oh, was
5: it last week? So I got another another pork butt here. All right, got hold a- on
1: a sec. This This was like super popular. Let me blow it out and add my uh screen catch here. That's Daniel's book. So like was a week or two ago, I where's this screen catch? there it is. I uh played you that secret competition video from uh Empire Barbecue, I think it is. Uh Money Muscle Competition Trimming, Empire Technique. Yeah, so uh, Empire Barbecue Team or whatever, and the guy made pork butt steaks. Well, he has gone ahead and given you a uh, another video. Here's a, a few clips here.
5: A okay-ish looking money muscle. It's pretty thick, got a good size, but I wanted to show another money muscle trimming technique I don't think a lot of folks know about. I'm not saying I came up with this method myself, um, but it is something that I think is pretty special and that's going to help a lot of people. And I call this uh, the empire or the empire strikes back technique to be long. Uh, I think the cool kids are just going to call it the empire technique though. And all this really revolves around is you got the money muscle. What you want to do is you want to take your knife and you want to cut straight back dead into the middle of this sucker. Wow! Right, and you're just gonna fillet it in half. You're gonna open it up. So you got money muscle here. Look at that right there, and then you got money muscle here, right? And then just like at the beginning of Empire, you get a bottle of sriracha and uh, you pretend it's Luke Skywalker, and then you pretend that the pork butt is a tauntaun. You cut that sucker open like Han Solo, <laughs> and then you just shove Luke in there to uh, to kind of rest and stay warm. Now we're not seasoning with the sriracha. No. It's just kind of hanging out um, and, and giving just a nice curvature to it and also keeping it uh, keeping yep. it nice and safe. And then the, the final guts. key to the Empire technique is uh, you get a bottle of Jim Beam, you let it sit there staring at it, kind of in an awkward, weird, kind of like strange uncle way. And then the only thing that kind of caps it off is you totally have to rock Mickey Mouse Clubhouse for at least two versions of the song. Yeah, and you can even get some string and kind of tighten this up, but again, if you want to rock the Empire Technique, I uh, I highly, highly encourage giving it a try.
1: Alright, so there's the uh, Empire Technique. Wow. Uh, I don't know which which one will get you disqualified quicker. Cutting out or doing the, uh, the Tauntaun Technique. Tauntaun Technique? I remember that, man. An Empire Strikes Back. That was like a A beautiful yet scarring moment of my life seeing Han Solo cut the under end of that Tauntaun and then shoving Luke in there squirmy guts alright gang if you're like me then you love the easy ways the tried and true ways to step up the barbecue and grilling game Butcher's Barbecue is your answer folks that's right The rubs, the sauces, the grilling oils, the injections, and if you've bought somebody else's commercially made injection and realize that it's not what you were hoping for, I guess, then in the past you've been stuck. Got to throw it out. Can't tell anybody the money you wasted on it. Ridicule from friends and neighbors. Not anymore. Go to butcherbbq.com. Go to the trade-in link up there at the top right of the navigation and click it. And then print off that label and send back with what you would like in replacement from Dave your commercially made injection. Once it gets to Dave, he will weigh it. All weights are final by Dave. And then once that's done, he'll send you back the bird booster or he'll send you back the brisket rub or the pork rub or whatever you want. Because he's trying to make you happy not his customer hoping to get you as a customer that's why we say he makes his customers happy he makes his competition customers happy as well you're looking for a great sauce the sweet barbecue sauce pretty much wins in every category for me if i'm not making my own i'm always having two or three bottles of butcher barbecue sauce on hand and here's how i know it's good i live in a house full of women very discerning very finicky palates they really like my barbecue sauce. If they like other barbecue sauces, then it has to be really good. Everybody loves Dave's, all the way down to little one, Mar Baby. My wife likes it. Bob likes it. Mad likes it. Marley likes it. I love it. It's a winner. Get a box of six. It's going to go fast. So here's what you do. You hit up butcherbbq.com. You look through all the products. The injections are tried and true. The grilling oils are phenomenal. I'm using them all the time, more and more. I use it in place of butter all the time. I did ribs this weekend, used the grilling oil instead of the butter. It's great. And what do I say each and every time I talk about grilling oil? It doesn't have to be refrigerated. Keep it out on the, uh, on the table over by the stove. That way you don't forget about using it. It's so handy. It tastes really good. Three different flavors. Chipotle, steakhouse, butter flavor. Get on over to ButcherBBQ.com and get everything and then thank me later. We're going to talk steak next. Stick around. We'll be right back. all right welcome back this portion of the barbecue central show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet driven cookers visit cookin pellets c-o-o-k-i-n Cookinpellets.com to purchase you can also buy at amazon.com download the cookin pellets app it will alert you when amazon has ridiculous shipping prices so you can save even more their blends are great, not voiding any warranties. Don't worry about any of that. Forget it. All right. Uh, one of the fastest growing segments right now in the competition world of food is barbecue. Yes, but is also the Steak Cookoff Association. And joining me now is Brett Galloway. Brett, how are you, buddy? I'm doing uh, absolutely great. I can't hear you at all. What's going on? That might be it. All right, buddy. Oh, there? Yeah, I got you. All right. Sounded good. Fred, appreciate you joining me. So, uh, big weekend this past weekend in regards to number of events. You had uh, four big ones, right?
4: We did, yeah. We had four events this weekend. We were in uh, Linden, Texas. We are in Fordyce, Arkansas, Wichita, Kansas. And then we had one in of- er, Hofdorp, Netherlands.
1: So you literally won international this past week?
4: We were international, yes. We have a rep over there that runs those events. I'll get to go back in about 15 days, not that I'm counting, but we're going to be at the Tony Stone Slow and low over there.
1: How many events have you sanctioned uh, off domestic land?
4: Uh, we had three events last year. This is the first this year. We expect six this year. Seven, actually, if you count Canada.
1: All right. So before I delve a little bit more into the international stuff here, let's back out a little bit for the folks that might have not heard our first interview a handful of months ago. Uh, talk to me a little bit about State Cook-Off Association. Uh, by the way, the website is steakcookoffs.com if you want to check it out here while we're talking. A uh, little background about how it came to be, why you thought it needed to happen, and then we'll talk about some of the, the past events and upcoming events.
4: Okay. Um, you know, I was a competition cooker and I started in cooking steak cook-offs and I, I fell in love with it. It was very interactive with people. I'm an old restaurant manager, so I, I just like the interaction with people. And I thought I could cook great and I, I, evidently I didn't cook as well as I thought I did back then. But, um, you know, we started picking it up. We started touring around. Back, back three years ago, there's only about nine cook-offs in the country and the rules were different everywhere we went. So, we decided to Let's go ahead and start something and see if we can't grow this a little bit. And we we started with one event and thought we had great ideas. A little off on a couple of them, but the majority were improvements. And we went from there. And last year we had 17 events. Uh, this or two years ago, last year was 47 events, and this year will be 75 to 80, with six or seven of those being in Europe. I just booked another one yesterday in the Netherlands. So. It's growing.
1: Talk to me about how the competition actually takes place during the event.
4: Okay, they're one-day cook-offs usually. Sometimes we'll do a, a Friday night event like with a KCBS or an IBCA. It helps get people out of the motorhomes. They get around the grills. You know, five, three to five more people go home happy because they got a check. They get the spirit of competing. And then our regular cook-off is a, normally a Saturday event. Um, generally, teams will set up between 8 and 10 in the morning. Uh, they'll they'll have a cooks meeting at ten. We do a steak selection. In SCA, the steaks are provided by the promoter. That way, everybody's cooking the same state. You don't have a guy that can only afford to select competing against a guy that has a wagyu brisket out there. The guy has no chance. So all of our cooker all of our events use 16 ounce boneless ribeyes, choice and above. Um, and so we'll do a s- steak selection. One o'clock, we turn in our ancillary category. Could be wings, burgers, margaritas. Um, gosh, we've even done carne asada. Um, but 3 o'clock is the main event. Steak is turned in. And then 4.30 or 5, we're doing awards. By 5.20, you're driving home. So it's a one-day event.
1: Brett Galloway joining me here on the show. Steak Cookoff Association. Again, the website steakcookoffs.com. Is there a guideline or a rule of finished temperature that the steaks have to go to? Or are you getting a, a range of finished temps?
4: Uh, we ask them to cook at medium, which is a warm pink center. And I know we don't; most of us don't cook medium at home, but it's the easiest to judge against. You know that warm pink center. Uh, we have a picture that we show the cooks at the cooks' meetings, and then we also show that picture to our judges at the judging table, so they both have the same reference of what goal they're going after.
1: When they cut into the steak, if it's not meeting that picture, is there are they dq would
4: No, no. Um, you grade it up or down points wise on it but you don't we don't disqualify anybody on it
1: is there a potential to be disqualified for something during the cook
4: uh we've only had a couple and it's usually we had one disqualified because he used a metal pin to hold it together and you know when we cut it in half i know the the i guess his ribeye was curling off but uh anyway he got disqualified and then we had to disqualify one guy because he was five minutes late turning in but other than that you know i don't want to ruin somebody's weekend over something. But unfortunately, some rules are rules are rules.
1: So aside from providing the judges with a picture of kind of what they're looking for color-wise in the center, what else are they being trained? Do you have like certified steak-eating judges like you would find at a KCBS or something like that?
4: We do, yeah. We started certified judges this year. You know, we're still pretty new at it. We've probably got about 350 certified judges around the country. Probably got another Forty-five or forty in Europe right now. Uh, we're going to when we go over there in two weeks, we'll do another class and teach a new crop over in Europe. And so far, sorry about that. So far, Ken and I, uh, the co-founder, we teach every class, so the guys are getting the same information in each judging class.
1: So, talk to me about how you are teaching a judge to properly evaluate a stake, if it's something that should be on the winning side or something that you know isn't just there yet.
4: Okay, um, uh, it's taste. Taste. I would never tell them what tastes great to them. I have no idea. So that one is to, we don't tell them anything other than it needs to taste like a steak. It needs to taste like beef. Okay, so taste we don't mess with. Texture. When they cut the steak, they feel texture. They actually cut their piece of the steak off and then they they taste the texture while they're chewing the steak, of course. Um, appearance. One of our big sponsors is Grow but A steak doesn't have to have grill marks to be a great scored steak. You've you've cooked a steak in a cast iron skillet, haven't you? Sure. Man, that beautiful caramelization, the four or five colors of brown on there, that can be just as eye appealing as a steak with perfect grill marks. So if it has grill marks, it has to have pretty grill marks, but it doesn't have to. We had a guy get second place without any grill marks cooked in his cast iron skillet recently.
1: Is... I guess high level here when it comes to grill marks. Is grill marks your garnish of a box like you would find in, in KCBS? Do you find that the majority of people are going to try and set a crosshatch on a stake because it's eye appealing and people, f- even though it shouldn't count against you, people might think well, if I don't, it probably might count against me more than it won't. I mean, what's your thought there?
4: Nine out of ten teams probably use grill grates out there. So yeah, they do you eat with your eyes, and you see that beautiful grill marks on there, and it can't help but affect you on it. But if the grill marks aren't pretty, they're going to get marked down. But I'd go after just as much after that cast-iron skillet steak, personally.
1: In regards to the cooker, does it have to be a charcoal-fired cooker or a wood-fired cooker, or can it be like an electric or a gas grill, or what do you have to use?
4: You can cook on anything. We let them use a gas grill. You know, 87% of the country has some sort of grill in their backyard. Uh, it's a six to eight minute cook time usually. So, you know, you can use a gas grill. Most of the time when they do come out with a gas grill, you'll see them the following week because they had so much fun. But they have a Weber or a PK grill with them. You know, so you can use gas. You can, I've had guys cook on a pellet cooker. Um, guy got seventh place with a pellet cooker last weekend in Wichita.
1: In regards to steaks that you see winning, I mean, you're in your third year now, Uh, have you seen a a dramatic difference in how people are cooking and seasonings that they're using or if you want to throw out the lame-term flavor profiles, do you see a a large change from where you started to where we're at today?
4: You know, I don't cook anymore in my – I won't cook in my own organization, but a lot of the steaks that are turned in look a lot like mine. I mean, they look – it looks like they're cooking them hot and fast. You know, I I see some guys that are doing a reverse sear, but generally, a lot of guys are hot and fast guys in SCA.
1: Is there like standard finishing, or do you see a lot of people going for any type of a of a glaze or a a butter finishing sauce as you start to turn it?
4: I see guys use it putting butter on it. Yeah, we'll see that happen. Um, we're not you're not allowed to put a sauce on it, but they can put a butter every now and then. You'll see. Some guy that thinks Italian dressing is a great idea, not so much. Really, it kills the appearance of steak. But, um, you know, every now and then somebody will put a like a pepper jelly or something over the top of it and bake it on. But generally, it's a little butter, and that's it.
1: So in regards to cost for teams, well, a lot of us that are – Listeners of this show are familiar with barbecue competitions. You know, it's you know, let's say two hundred fifty to three hundred, maybe four hundred dollars for an entry fee. What's the cost or the expense to do a state cookoff?
4: To enter a state cookoff, it, generally, most of our events are hundred and fifty dollar entry fee, and that includes your two ribeye steaks. So, t- buck fifty to get in. Generally, first place is a thousand dollars, and it usually pays between five and ten places.
1: You had talked earlier about trying to get into a KCBS event or an IBCA like on a Friday and kind of making two competitions in a weekend, if you will, giving your, as you mentioned, giving yourself a shot at winning some extra money depending on how good your steak is and how good your barbecue is going to be. Are you you trying to uh, negotiate or have open dialogue with the different barbecue sanctioning bodies saying, hey... You know, we're stay cook off. We feel that this is kind of a, a really good tie in to what you guys are doing, and it's not going to take away from the Saturday stuff. and You can value add this on a Friday as potentially more money. And are you getting any pushback from being kind of incorporated or associated with any of those guys?
4: Now, we've talked to some of them about it and really haven't come up with much. Uh, we're, we're actually pretty close with one organization to having something set up to where it may be offered in every one of their events. Um, but we haven't done anything for sure yet. but it, it really it, it does enhance. They enhance each other. I got started cooking barbecue because I was a steak cooker and I, I just loved competing. and I cooked steak and then I decided to try barbecue one day. You know it's a lot more cost in barbecue equipment wise.
1: Brett Galloway joining me here on the show from Steak Cookoff Associations and uh, the website again, steakcookoffs.com. Do you have any direct tie-ins with the World Food Championships?
4: No, we don't have any direct tie-ins with them. On it, we you know actually we did talk to Mike and about maybe um, helping him with the judging on that. But he has his own system that w- works great, and uh, you know we wish him all the luck out there. I actually went down there last year, just hung out.
1: Do you, do you feel that there's room? So you have like a a final event at the end of the year where you know all the winners. Like what what is that called?
4: It's our SCA World Steak Championship.
1: All right. So a winner is a winner is determined at the end of that. Couldn't that shouldn't that person have the opportunity to then bid into the World Food Championships as a steak cook?
4: Food, World Food Championships is three weeks before our championship. Oh, yeah.
1: Time to move so, up the schedule, Brett. Right.
4: Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I think our championship's just as great as that championship. You know, we it's the largest paying steak cook-off in the country. We pay out $7,500 for first place. Uh, we pay top 10. I mean, you're cooking a six- to eight-minute steak. That was last year. This year's entry might go up a little bit to pay out. But we have the winner of every steak cook-off the United, that every SCA cook-off in the United States and Europe. And so we had teams from Europe last year as well, 75 teams, and every one of them a winner. So it, we're putting the best against the best in the country.
1: It, it almost seems like barbecue seems to be so, I don't want to say the same, but it, it's it's hard for people to win, right? I mean, you, you got to find the the right profile. you got to be at the right tenderness. Steak almost seems to take the barbecue aspect and, and tighten it down almost to like a whole new level. So what do you think – really separates the really good steak cooks from the guys that aren't able to push over the top
4: the fine line is you got to get the doneness right if you get the doneness right if it's a perfect medium it's going to be the cutting of it is easier if you're way underdone, you're going to get nailed on texture because it's not going to cut as easy um, it affects the flavor it affects the appearance and so just by looking at the numbers when they hit doneness everything else seems to fall in place
1: when the judges are evaluating the steak, do they put a piece in and chew like? So I don't want to like make this about the wine world, but when you're evaluating wine, if you're well, <laughs> if you're doing it the right way, you take a sip, you swirl around, you spit it out. Uh, do they do the same thing with the steak, or are they eating?
4: They're going to chew that steak, and you know they they will actually cut the piece off, put it in their mouth, they'll chew on it, they'll taste the flavor, and then they're going to eat the steak. Um, you know, in the old days, they didn't have to. In the old days, it was five judges for 80-some teams back when I was cooking. And you better cook a great cold steak. Uh, now with SEA, it's not that way. You, when you're tasting texture in SEA, you're cutting it, you're chewing it, you're going to get a better judging on it. And it's quick. I mean, we did 122 teams at the championship, and every steak was judged hot and fresh. Not 122, 76, sorry.
1: So, when you are cooking it, because in the barbecue world, a lot of pit masters will tell me, I'm like, Well, when do you taste it? Do you taste it right up there. And they're like, No, you know, we turn it in, we'll wait 15 minutes, and then we'll go ahead and taste it because we feel that's the point at what time the judges are doing it so we can really evaluate where our profile and our tenderness is. Uh, but not the case with you guys anymore. Don't cook and see where your your good tasting cold steak is. If you make a good hot steak, chances are you're going to be judged on a good hot steak.
4: That's correct. You know, by, if you take it off, turn, put it in the box and walk it up there, turn it in, it'll be judged within minutes. So it's, it's quick. So you're, that resting time, everybody wants that 10-minute rest time, you know, and the steak continues to cook. So that's half the battle is knowing it's going to continue to cook. So you want to try to hit a certain temperature and let it rise up by the time it hits a judge table.
1: Brett, Sylvie in the chat room has just asked a great question, and uh, sure. let me ask you about it. So you're cooking 16-ounce boneless ribeyes. Correct. Do you require the judges to cut from the two different pieces of the ribeye, like the the middle part and then the cap on the outside? Or if not, where do you see the judges going to cut from most?
4: Okay. We, we actually cut the steak in half, so the back piece— is for appearance and they'll they'll look at doneness at the center of the steak. The front part is where the spinalis is the the lip of the steak and that's where they cut their piece of the steak. So they're all eating it up or taking a bite off the tenderest part of the steak. I mean we got cookers that will cut that off which is a disadvantage to them but sometimes they'll do it.
1: So do you do you think that the middle part of the steak is all jealous that the you know the spinalis is the one that's being tasted? Because I mean that's like the best part, of might course. Be.
4: Yeah, it might be, but I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Steaks don't talk, is what you're supposed to say. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, true. Yeah, so but I mean that's the part that's being uh, judged for the doneness portion of it. So that's right. you know you said that you you did see a high finish for a pellet cooker. Do you see? Pellet cookers down the, lo- uh, down the road becoming more of a force. Uh, I mean, look, let's be honest. A lot of pellet cookers aren't probably giving you, you know, even 500 degrees, let alone 7, 8, 900 degrees. But some of them are pressing up, like the Yoders have a, a pretty good ability to ramp up temperatures. Do you see them becoming more of a force as time wears on here, or maybe not so much for this thing?
4: I think so. I actually, I was at Yoder. That's where we did our cook-off in Wichita at All Things Barbecue, and they cooked some steaks for our class. I ran a class there, and they cooked some on a Yoder that had unbelievable char on it. I questioned him, I said, well, that was cooked on the Yoder? He said it was, and we had great char. So I think I could see somebody winning on a Yoder for sure.
1: Aside from the ribeye, is there any consideration given to... Porterhouse or, or T-bone, or is the ribeye just kind of the old standby?
4: The ribeye was the one we use for every SCA event. Um, we've never cooked anything else actually in our events.
1: And where's uh, where's the next event going to be at, Brett?
4: Oh Lord! Um, hold on, where are we at next? This weekend, I'm in El Dorado, Arkansas. I'll be running that event, and then we have that's on Saturday, and then we have a Sunday event at the RAR Brewery in Fort Worth, Texas. And they're, I mean, the team's there. They've got live music. I heard Pat Green's going to be one of the judges there. He may get up and sing a song or two. Country singer, I don't know if you know. But anyway, got two events this weekend, three events the following weekend, and then we're off to Europe.
1: All right, so uh, Brett Galloway is with the state Cook-Off Association. The website dot staycookoffs.com if you want to get down with some meat check out the website, see where the nearest event is to you, and then go ahead and try your hand. Brett, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on.
4: Thanks for having me on, buddy. appreciate it. You got it.
1: There he is. Brett Galloway from the SCA. Who wants to get down with steak right now? Sylvie, great question. Wow! I'm embarrassed that I didn't think of it myself, but let me be honest, I never would have thought of that. Never. Never. That's why you're Lady of Q, and I'm hosting a show in my basement.
0: Get the, get the
1: it's all right. One day. One day it's going to be my day. Not this day, though. Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. Whether you barbecue in the backyard, you're on the competition scene, or in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoking and grilling 101s and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on the Instagrams, YouTube, Pinterest, Twitter, Google Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on the World Class Barbecue Forum. Cookshack Pellet Fired Smokers are the choice of champs because they are designed by a champion. Ed Fast Eddie Morin, the FEC 100, the PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and grill. Low and slow or hot and fast. The Pellet Grill line gives you the most for your money. Cookshack Residential Electric Smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality meat, High durability, high versatility, anything you can cook in an oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion, dedication, drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Giving you the best in barbecue since 1962. 800-423-0698. That's eight hundred four two three zero six nine eight. Or again, visit the website at cookshack.com. Qow out of the shoot. Here we go.
0: Seven seven four four eight zero four three three to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey.
1: Welcome back to 220 Greg at the, the BBQ Central Show.com. Thanks again to Brett Galloway from the State Cook Off Association for joining me last segment. Helping me close the show tonight. In my opinion. A team that has been competing at the highest levels pretty much since the get-go. So much so, they earned their 75th Grand Championship this past weekend. We head over to the hotline and welcome back pitmaster of Qow, Mike Wozniak. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. 75, Mike. Yeah, it's been a up. long time coming. We,
2: I, when we hit 50... I thought seriously that it'd be about time to
1: retire from this crazy sport. What happened? Just kept going. <laughs> well, so, so let's let's roll all the way back. When did you get into competition barbecue, Mike? <clears throat> um, our first
2: competition was a local rib fest here in Peoria, Illinois, and um, we cooked our ribs. On a rack in a pressure cooker and then we grilled them off on a gas grill and you could cook them any way you wanted it was just a local thing um and then we did another one and we met mike lake and mike uh told us all about casey bass he told us about chicken and ribs and pork butts and beef brisket and i had no idea what a pork butt was or uh the only brisket i'd ever had was corned beef so uh he talked us into taking the judging class and we started cooking uh, KCBS in 2001.
1: Fast forward 14 years. Did you think after you were judges and you started getting into the whole KCBS competition side of things that you would be doing it at any level 14 years later, 15 years later?
2: Oh, uh, not really. Um, <clears throat> I'm a, I'm a real competitive person. I raced motorcycles for 11 years and then, uh, when I got my hip busted real bad in a industrial accident that ended that career. And, uh, barbecue's a lot safer than racing motorcycles also. Um, but, uh, you know, we still enjoy it. I mean, we, we enjoy going, uh, towards the end of the season. It, it gets to be kind of a, a grind and everything in our schedule. We, we start a little bit later. We used to start always in January down at Lakeland and we didn't start till the end of March this year. And we took just, took a couple weeks off here and so we're going to have a week off here and there we're not going to go and do like 45 in a row like you know we have been doing
1: when you were out really getting after it and and being in team of the year contention winning team of the year by the end as you had said was it always like oh my god i can't believe it's the end of november or whatever and we're still doing this and we're not we're not going to do it again next year and, and then you have the time off and you're like yeah let's just you know bust ass and get after it again when you're away from it is it easy to forget the grind that it was while you're in it
2: yeah uh that's exactly what what happens uh the year we won uh team of the year 2010 uh we had really had a good year we won the jack that year and we won the uh Kingsford points chase thing uh and we qualified, of course, to go to the Houston livestock. And, you know, we thought about it and uh, we had cooked till December and then Houston was in uh, February. And we thought, oh, we said, you know what? I just want to stay home. So we, we politely declined. And now in retrospect, I wish I had done it because we may never get another chance. We've come close, you know, by finishing second at the Royal. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things you never get a chance to do. And, I wish we had done it, but uh, yeah, you know, that year it was really, it was a grind because we drove from coast, I mean, we literally cooked on the East Coast there in uh, the Jersey shore, and then we cooked in California, we cooked in Minnesota, we cooked down in Texas. Um, You know, we were all over the country, and I think we drove 45,000 miles that year, and uh, by the time December rolled around, we were just burnt out.
1: Mike Wozniak joining me from QAO. You know, Mike, in, in 2008 and 9 and 10, when you were going across the land, as you were just describing, was it also different flavor profiles or flavors that judges seem to be valuing as, as winning in different locations? Or at that point, had it gotten a little bit more accepted to be the same whether you're in California or whether you're in New England or Florida or Texas?
2: Well, I never have figured California out. We've cooked there about three or four times and never have really done very well. But um, we were talking about this the other day and I, you know, we won our first GC in 2001. If, if I turn that quality of product in at a contest today, it would be near the bottom. Um, I don't know if the flavor profiles are a hell of a lot different. Uh, we pretty much have been using the same sauce and the same rubs, you know, since you know two thousand four two thousand five, uh, what we have improved on is our cooking technique. A um, uh, chicken, you know, uh, we've been trying. We tried different things, and we've won chicken team of the year a couple times. We've been second, I think, four or five times. Um, I never have really um, you know picked up on the butter bath thing that, that's real big now, and uh, we've gone back and we're doing rotisserie pies uh, again. And I'm I'm always been real happy with them because you get the nice clear juices that run in them, um, and then ribs. We since 2008 we've been doing uh, baby backs and uh, pork. Uh, we don't do anything special there. Um, we do a real neat presentation. And brisket, we've basically been doing the same brisket since 2004, and it's done the same rub. Um, we got it out of a a book sometime back then and we just used the same rub real simple just paprika salt and uh, like garlic powder and uh, onion powder
1: is the no sugar is the brisket the the wagyu stuff or do you have you not really gotten ever into that
2: no we switched to wagyu in um let me think 2011 i believe and uh, the first wagyu brisket i ever cooked was the best brisket i had cooked up to that point and um, we had used the choice grade up until then, and uh, we never looked back. And I've got—I think—six big freezers. out. I wish I'd bought a walk-in freezer. The amount of money I've spent on freezers, but <laughs> I just buy them in bulk so I can get them a lot cheaper. Instead of paying ten dollars a pound, you know, I pay—I you know—for usually somewhere around six fifty to seven dollars a pound. And uh, they—you they, know—I got a flash freeze. Now, you, you you don't realize the money you keep spending on this this sport so i got a flash freezer and those aren't cheap and so you flash freeze stuff so the idea just to get it down to zero at the core uh so you're not damaging all the the water molecules in the meat and uh, when you thaw them out they pretty much look just exactly like when you froze them
1: do you have any type of special thaw out process you just like throw them in a refrigerator and let them come up that way
2: uh yeah that's i i find that's the best way to do it is throw uh, Like, when we leave for a contest, uh, like, we're going to head up to the Masters in May, which is in Appleton, Wisconsin. We're going to leave Thursday, and uh, I'll get a brisket out for the next week, which we're doing one in Dwight, Illinois. It's it's only about 70 miles from our house, but I'll get it out. We've got a real cold refrigerator, and by the time Tuesday of the next week rolls around, it's pretty well thawed out. It thaws out real slow.
1: Mike, in regards to you know looking back at 2001 when you started and where you guys are at today, what do you think the biggest evolution or change in competition barbecue has been? Um,
2: well, I'll be absolutely honest with you. I think the judging has changed the most. When we started, um, there was about 80 contests a year throughout the country. <laughs> Uh, we cooked a lot down south because that's where the the contests were. Now down there at that time, a lot of the judges were certified also in Memphis and May and KCBs. And they had been. So you had a lot of really uh, experienced judges. And then the, what I think happened is once this got big on television, you saw a lot of people thought, "Wow, I'd like to be like Tuffy or Myron and uh, Judge Barbecue," and of course that's not the reason they're judging on television. It's because they're, you know, damn good cooks. And, uh, I think a lot of people got into it and there's a lot of new people and it takes a while to really learn to be a good judge. I mean, um, they eventually get there, but you know, at first they, you know, it, you have to learn to judge meat, And the only way you can do that is by doing it over and over. And then, you know, the judge is disgusting among amongst themselves. And uh, we've noticed that uh, in areas where they have a lot of, uh, you know, new, newer judges, sometimes the scoring is a little bit, uh, uh, you know, it's not consistent, in other words. But then once once they, you know, you get an area and they have enough contest and the, the, the judges can go ahead and uh, judge over and over, it, the scoring comes up. And you'll notice that with the uh, the. The size of the Grand Champion points. Uh, one time we were at a, in a state, and I won't mention it, but the GC uh, was like a six twenty-eight, which is <laughs> that's unheard of. That's like the bottom of the pack now. Yeah. And I think really now you see most of the time GC, uh, most of the time around the country will be somewhere around six eighty-five to seven hundred. Yeah, and uh, we're we're seeing it fairly consistent.
1: Mike Wozniak joining me here on the show, Pitmaster of QOW, Mike for people just getting into competition barbecue is the advice to judge 3 or, or 4 events first and see where the flavors are and, and see what's winning before you decide what you were on to do as a team.
2: Yeah, I I would do that. Um we took the judging class first. Uh we never did really judge uh you know off and on I judged here and there. But uh we never really were judges and went out and actually, you know, did signed up for KBS contest to judge, but uh that's probably the best advice. It's also the cheapest. Uh, you know, I used to teach uh a cooking class with Scotty Johnson for his party, uh, and I was told, him, I said, Listen, uh, my advice to you is become a judge. It's a lot cheaper. And I said if you wanna be a cook, I said, you Just need to go out and buy the biggest motorhome or the biggest trailer you'll think you'll ever need because you will get there eventually. And uh, you know, we learned that. We uh went through three motorhomes and I think we're on our third enclosed trailer and we had some other open trailers when we first started. In fact, we just sold our big, big liner, um, uh, 45 footer. We sold it to Donnie Bray of, uh, one county choppers. And, uh, when he was getting ready to leave with the, the boat on, he goes, yeah, now I've got to sell my trailer. And I'm going to well, describe it to us. And so we ended up buying his trailer. <laughs>
1: i mean do you do you have to have those toys to really be out on the circuit these days do you think
2: um it, it makes it a lot easier uh We've got the trailer now it's a a 40 footer and uh it's got a deep south in the back and um, it's it's um, plumbed out through the ceiling and uh i never have to leave the trailer basically I can do all my cooking right in there it's got air conditioning in the back and everything now you get something like Parrothead. Uh, he cooks out of a, a big heavy duty, uh, easy up tent every weekend. But, um, I'm at the point, I don't, I, my meniscus has gone to my knee. So, uh, I've got to get that taken care of one of these days. I'm getting cortisone shots now. So it's, it's hard for me to go up and down steps. So, uh, uh, I've worn my, worn my knee off from barbecue, to probably like going up and down the motorhome and, uh, the other trailers. So. It's a. It just depends what you want, but it's a lot easier when you have a a nice trailer and you're comfortable.
1: Mike, you and Beth secure seventy five this past weekend. You have the opportunity for six and seven going up to Appleton because it's a, a two day competition that uh, Tim Shaw puts on up there. Do you foresee staying in it to shoot for a hundred? Hello, hello, go. Get that big stuff out of
0: here
1: cell phones man the devil or he didn't want to answer that i know where you're going with that i'm out see if he jumps back on probably gonna get voicemail now. we'll see it's the last question right yeah i'm back hey mike sorry about that so uh do do you do you foresee staying in it to get to a hundred or is that not even like on the radar
2: Greg, I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry.
1: No, I was going to say you and Beth pulled down 75 uh, this past weekend. You're going to go up to Appleton. You have the opportunity to get numbers 76 and 77 since it's a two day event that uh, Tim Shaw yeah. puts on up there. You know, long term on a high level, do do you want to stay until you you at least get a good hard look at 100, or is that not even on the radar for you guys? Uh,
2: well, our next goal, okay, 71 of those 75 are KCBS sanctioned events. Uh, so four of them were, uh, two of them were the best of the best invitation in Douglas, Georgia that the uh, barbecue news used to put on. Yep. Uh, and then we won the open down there. And then the other one was the Chicago winter burn, which it wasn't sanctioned, but it was a qualifier. So our next goal would be to get 75 KCBS contests under our belt. Um, I'm not sure anybody else, uh, has that many. I know, uh, there's a few of them that are close. Darren, Darren Worth, I think has 60 something. Rod Gray. is either in the high fifties or low sixties. Um, uh, Johnny Trigg. I, I'm not sure last I heard he was in the fifties and then parrot had got 50 here. Um, um, I think last year. Yep. So, um, and Oh, I, I think, um, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Davis? From a lot of them, um, yeah. I think he's got they're in their fifties or maybe sixties. Mike Davis. So you're like so the, I am maybe someone. Uh I apologize if I am, but uh I you know, I know we're near the uh top there. I was say so as you gotta to be like
1: uh you gotta be the winningest one of the winningest teams in K C B S uh, in the history then.
2: Uh yeah, and I mean we have some other right? Like we were the first team to have a perfect season. Two thousand six uh they only counted your top five and uh the maximum points was at a uh contest with 50 or more teams and right. we had uh five of those in by the early part of august and then they you know kcbs instituted a tiebreaker and we, we we the tie went all the way up to nine places and at the 10th place i think mike davis beat me by one point for yep. the tiebreaker um And uh, then, like, at the Jack, I think we may be the only team that have won uh, a trophy. You only only pay five places. We've won a trophy in every category, at least one. And it's funny, you know, the last one that we we needed was Sauce, and we finally got that in 2014.
1: Is there... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, is there one that just stands out above and beyond all the rest? Is it the Jack?
2: Yeah, I didn't have to be the jack because I mean, you know what? I mean, uh, it was it, it was really emotional to win that. Uh, I mean, we won a lot, and uh, I the wife was crying, and I, I was pretty emotional about it. It's Just there's something, and I don't know how to describe it. Um, you know, it's it's a contest that the cooks really put a lot of emphasis on, um, and if you look at it the other way, you know, uh, there's a lot of celebrity judges there and stuff like that so you really have to cook well but you really have to get lucky you have to hit you know two or three really good tables um and so there's a lot of luck involved i mean just getting there uh you know some of the best cooks you know hardly ever get there uh because of where they live where they cook all the time uh if you live in a state like kansas or oklahoma or missouri uh it's it's hard to get there unless you're going to want seven all the time and you know that's not easy
1: Mike Wozniak is the pitmaster of Qow. They just won their 75th Grand Championship. Started in 2001, and uh, here they are 15 years later with uh, number 75, looking to get their 75th KCBS here shortly as well. Mike, always appreciate the time, man. Continued success, and we'll talk again soon. Okay, thank you very much. You got it. Bye. There he is, Mike Wozniak, Qow, 75th. Does anybody else remember Best of the Best by National Barbecue News? Does anybody remember that? Uh That was like a really big deal back in the day. Won it twice. I thought that was going to be, that's right when I had started getting into podcast. Wait, is that right? I might have been in for a couple years before that, but I remember talking to Cal Phelps and national barbecue news and best of the best douglas georgia and this is gonna take the jack winner and the american royal winners and this is gonna be really where in different scoring systems fair for everybody As go Get that big stuff out of here. hey that happens all right let's wrap it up all the way back in the first hour we talked with daniel bennett diva q DivaQ.ca is her website. The book is out. Diva Q's, number one right now in the new release for Amazon.com. Last week, it was number one on pre-release sales, doing very well. If you don't like shopping online, you can get it at any bookstore. Diva Q's, 195 recipes. A reference guide, if you will, to keep going back to real food, real barbecue. Get it, love it. In the second hour, we talked with Brett Galloway from the State Cookoff Association. And we finished it up with Mike Wozniak from Qow. the winningest man in KCBS. How about that? That's how we end the show. That's right. We got a show that is locked and loaded already for next week. But no names, please, as of yet. But we might be talking about another new book with somebody that's associated with a pretty big grill company. Plus, it's the first Tuesday of the week next week, or of the month next week, so you know who's going to be coming in to give us a checkup from the neck up when it comes to the barbecue and grilling stuff, Ray lambie September 11th, 2001. I will never forget Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.